you had some interesting weather today. Uh, we've had some interesting plumbing issues here at the church. If you encounter any problems, let me know. We've had some interesting construction going on above us. I think they stopped about 20 minutes ago. We might be okay. But if it gets loud, I'll get louder. It might keep us all awake. And uh, Lord be with us. And no, uh, no midweek service next week. We have it tonight, but a week from tonight, uh, Thanksgiving week. I know you all be with families and cooking and, and have a big, big things going on and busyness and you all spend time with your families and enjoy it. We have a lot to be thankful for, don't we? Matthew chapter 12, <clears throat> the title of this message is Stretch Forth Thine Hand. I just want to look at verses 9 through 14 this evening. Matthew 12, the Lord's going to heal one of his sheep on the Sabbath. I thought a lot about that this week. That still happens. Nothing's changed, has it? Every day's the Lord's day. But, but maybe he'll be pleased today to heal somebody in this room. Do we hope so? Did we come here asking for that? Did I? To glory in him and pray he does work in somebody? There's three main characters in this story we're going to look at. When we teach something... If I'm given a block of instruction on something, if I have a book and I want you to learn a story in the book, I'm going to teach something. I want to lay it out in as logical manner as I can. And, and I have a desired outcome. At the end, we might have a check on learning. We call them tests when we was in school. A check on learning. I won't be asking the questions. What if the Lord did? you pay attention? I was thinking all the messages people miss because of life, because of stuff that, that, that comes in the way, some reason to not go hear the gospel preached. You're all here, but for those that don't, I weep for them. But what if we were accountable for those that we didn't attend to? And then I got nervous thinking about that, and I said, what if I was accountable for every time I sat in a pew and didn't pay attention to a message that was preached? Pray God be with us tonight. I want to lay these characters out in this story. There's only three of them, or a group of people, two characters and a group of people. There's the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the good shepherd, the scriptures say. That is, he's called the great shepherd. His name's the chief shepherd, and he's going to do the work in one of his sheep. Then there's one of his sheep, this man with a withered hand. He's unable to reach out and touch the Lord as he passes by. He can't approach the Lord. He can't bring anything to him. He can't wash himself. He can't do any work. He's withered. He's unable. And then there's the Pharisees all around them. That's the most of them. They're walking along through these cornfields, and they're heading to the synagogue. They're going to church, and they're not rejoicing along the way looking forward to a word from God. They're judging those around them, being critical of those around them, trying to find them and saying something, and that's, that's wrong. What you said was wrong. I'm going to call you about it. I'm going to text you. They're being critical. They're not attending the house of God to come in and pray for his presence to be with them and to be with their brethren. Maybe, maybe for him to speak to somebody that's never heard him speak before. They're under the law. They observe the law. You've been around it. You all grew up in frost religion. You've seen all these law workers. People that are under the law and all they ever talk about the law, they're mean. 
They are. They're hard to get along with. You, you say, you know what? I got an appointment. I got to get to. They ain't fun to be around, are they? They're critical. They're judging and they're hard. You that believe. I thought about this. Would it be all right for you if God's, if God's done a work in you and you come to, to have a service and, and you come to worship God and you didn't get blessed in the way that you wanted to when you walked through those doors? You, you want to come here and get a warm fuzzy and you didn't get you a warm fuzzy. Would it be all right if, if through your presence, not your absence, through your presence, that that preacher didn't get depressed because there's a bunch of empty seats. And he thought, why am I here? And he thought, you know what? There's somebody there. They showed up. They went, took time to get dressed and wash their face and shave and prepare, get dressed up, come in here. And I'm going to preach. And the Lord used that man as a voice. And he saved someone in that room that day. But you didn't get the warm fuzzy you was coming like, would that be okay for you? Well, you'd have that warm fuzzy, wouldn't you? You'd be tickled to death. They've been sitting underneath that gospel for, for 20 years, and God finally woke them up. Finally taught them something. I sat underneath the gospel for a decade and a half before God woke me up. That's a precious day, isn't it? Those Pharisees, they were not there to hear a word from the Lord, but to listen, to find something wrong to use against him. Well, you said this, and you did that, and you, you healed somebody on the Sabbath. Not Lord speak. And whatever you feel like talking about, that's a subject I'm interested in. Give us a parable. Show us something. We'd looked at this passage a few years ago, but we focused on the first few verses, and I want to look at this man with a withered hand. Verses 9 through 14. Look here at Matthew 12, verse 9. And it said, And when he was departed thence, he went into their synagogue. There's not a word that's out of place in these scriptures. We have those three main characters. It's the Lord Jesus Christ the good shepherd. We have one of his sheep and we have the Pharisees that's just onlookers. The mean, angry crowd. And where did this take place? He says, their synagogue. It used to be Lord's Passover and then he went there and he observed the, they were observing the Jews' Passover. He said, this is their synagogue. Isn't that grace? These, these people that's just engulfed in the law and meanness, grace is coming to them. The kingdom of God's come nigh unto thee. Either side of the sword, you're on. He's there, isn't he? The Lord came to this earth to meet with his people. And he still does. There have been people before, they founded churches. And they've introduced themselves as, I'm a founder. I plant churches. I started everything. And it's their ministries and their synagogues and their buildings and their pews and their hymnals. And they picked it out. And then the Lord comes down to them and he gave them a word. He saved them regardless. That's happened throughout time. That's happened in this country. Isn't that precious? Isn't that good? Isn't he gracious? It says in verse 9, And when they was departed thence, he, he went into their synagogue. And behold, there was a man which had his hand withered. What's a withered hand? Boy, we could learn a lot from this. There's so many things we can know about a withered hand that's said about it, that's good, that we can learn from. And there's a lot of things that's not said about this man and his withered hand that we can learn from. That could apply to us. He had a withered hand. I thought first, when was his hand injured? When did this man's hand become withered? 
could have been at birth, huh? He may have been like that his whole life. That's a good picture of us. We come from the womb unable to do anything. Maybe it was a wagon accident. Maybe he was a young boy in a wagon run over his arm and broke his arm. Maybe, maybe he had a stroke. That could happen now, can't it? Bob, maybe he had a bunch of surgeries on that arm, and he just couldn't use it. It was drawn close to him and withered, and he, it was unable to use it. Maybe it was mis misuse. Maybe he played too much baseball. Maybe it was arthritis. It set in early on him. We don't know how old he was. Could be young, could be old. That's good, too, isn't it? That we don't know. I'll tell you what it was. No matter which one of those things it was, it was the Lord's doing. God withered that man's hand. We need to learn that. We need to learn he's on his throne. If we know him, we need to know where he is. He does all things. All things. Who withered his hand? God did. When did it take place? Well, it's purpose before time. I can tell you that. Don't matter when it come, come to pass. God withered the man's hand. Why? For his glory. And for his good, and not just his good, that whole body's good for you. Thousands of years later, so we can read it. And God can show us how he deals with sinners and who he is and what he's accomplished. Would you go tell him you're sorry that your hand's withered? That blesses you. God gives you ears to hear. That's a good thing. Isn't it? Good. <laughs> good. God did it. He's going to get glory, and it's going to be for my good, and, and his body's good. Mm, makes me happy. Good. Why was it injured? It's for the glory of God and this man's good and for all of our sakes, too. The Scripture said that. Why do you go through trials? That's for your brethren's sake, too. That's what God says, isn't it? That's what he says in his word. We read back in John 9. He said his disciples asked, say, Master, when that, that blind man was there and he healed the blind man, he said, Who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Was it their fault or his fault? Yes, <laughs> right. Sin, that's why he's blind. But Jesus answered said, neither this man sinned nor his parents. Of course they were sinners. That's not the root cause. God allowed that to happen. He allowed that man to be blind. But that the works of God should be made manifest in him. He said, I'm going to do something to him. I'm going to show you how God saves sinners. You're going to rejoice in me. There will be a day that we thank the Lord for everything exactly as it took place, as it came to pass throughout time. That's so. That's so. There's going to come a day we will know as we are known, and we'll say all that stuff, and I was belly aching and murmuring, and I was praying it wouldn't come out that way. Lord, thank you for that. That mountain genius up there in Fairmont, West Virginia years ago said if we had the power of God, we'd change everything. And if we had his wisdom, if we knew what he knew, we wouldn't change a thing. It came to pass exactly the way it had. I want to know him, and I want to dwell on him, and I want to be a profitable child. He's my father. Do you want to be a good child? Mike, you want to be good to your mother, don't you? You want to be a good son? I want to be a good son. I want to trust my father. Hmm, what a thing, isn't it? Which hand was it? I always assumed it was his left hand. Maybe it's because of your left hand. <laughs> I just thought it was his left hand. That'd be most convenient for me. I'm right-handed. Only 10% of this world's left-handed. And a small fraction's ambidextrous. I know a couple of them. That confuses me. Something horrible. But we read in Luke there, he said it was another Sabbath came to pass. And they entered into the synagogue and taught. And there was a man whose right hand was withered. 
This wasn't just his, his A hand. This was his right hand. His problem was what he's coming to God with. Do you know that? What do we have to come to God with? Christ? Did you know the scriptures call him the son of the right hand? Acts 7 says, Behold, I see the heavens open, the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. David said in Psalm 60, Save with thy right hand and hear me. Psalm 138, Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. Thou shalt stretch forth thine hand against the wrath of my enemies, and thy right hand shall save me. Shall save me. It says shall. Christ shall save his people. From their sins. Call his name Jesus. He shall. Turn over to Job. This is going to be good for you, I think. Job 40. Job 40. Just before you get to Psalms. Get to Psalms and turn left one page. Maybe two. Job chapter 40. The Lord's speaking to Job. He got him by himself. And he talked to him. And he had sent Elihu, that real young fella to go witness to him and preach to him because of them three miserable comforters that come to him. And then the Lord reinforced what Elihu told him. <laughs> and he's talking to Job now. God's speaking. God's speaking. Job 40, verse 9. And he asked him a question. Job 49. Hast thou an arm like God, Job? Or canst thou thunder with a voice like him? We was down there at Albertsons today. I walked in and this whole side of my face was black. All my ear was black. That dust was kicking. Before the storm came, the wind was coming. And the, the thing that houses the, the carts, <laughs> thing that holds the buggies, it caught wind and just shifted sideways and folded like an accordion. And I thought, oh, storm's coming. We got inside and it started thundering and lightning. I, the people in the pharmacy screeched. They shrilled, screamed. They said, whoa, that was thunder. I said, the Lord speaks loudly sometimes. Might want to pay attention to him. Canst thou thunder with a voice like him? Deck thyself now with majesty and excellency, and array thyself with glory and beauty. Cast abroad the rage of thy wrath, and behold every one that is proud, and abase him. You go find somebody that's proud and make them not be proud. I can't, I can't do that. If I was alone on an island, I couldn't do that either. That'd be the hardest one. This one right here is the hardest one to keep from being proud. I can't knock, I can't knock a wind out of nobody's sail. Look on everyone that is proud, verse 12, and bring him low and tread down the wicked in their place. That's what Nebuchadnezzar said, didn't he? He said, Lord, you can bring anybody down. You can abase anybody. You're the king. Hide them in the dust together and bind their faces in secret. Can you do all those things, Joe? Let's be honest. Ain't nobody that's ever been born to Adam that's like us that can do that. We can't do it. We ain't God. God's going to have to prove to us that we ain't God and bring us down and exalt Christ and lift him up. Or we're going to be in a mess of trouble. The Lord said, if you can do that, verse 14, then will I also confess unto thee that thine own right hand can save thee. What's the natural condition that everybody that's ever born on this earth? Our right hand's withered. And I ain't talking about a physical arm. You get that? We're sinners. We can't do nothing to please God. Back in our text there, Matthew 12. Matthew 12, verse 
Matthew 12, verse 9. And when he was departed thence, he went into their synagogue, and behold, there was a man which had a, his hand withered. And they asked him, all those Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath days that they might accuse him? We got him now. We're going to ask him this question. He's been healing people left and right. He always does it on Sabbath. does it a lot on Sabbath. We got him. Matthew records this as the Pharisees asking the Lord, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? We'll see later. Mark writes, it's of the Lord asking them a question. John did too. And I thought, one interaction and infinite applications. People say that contradicts itself. No, it does not. The Lord's mad. His word's majestic. It's, 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 I was talking to Kieran the other day. I said, the Lord's, it's just marvelous. This hand's withered up. You know what he talks about later on in John? Given. <laughs> I'll get that in a minute. I don't want to jump ahead. This is amazing. Verse 11. And he said unto them, they asked him a question. And he said, what man shall there be among you that shall have one sheep and if it fall into a pit on the Sabbath day, if it gets in need, it's going to die without me. You're in trouble. You don't need a little bit of help. You need saved. Will he not lay hold on it and lift it out? How much then? The answer is yes. It's a rhetorical question. The answer is yes. They would. They go get that sheep out of there. How much then is a man better than a sheep? Wherefore, is it lawful to do well on the Sabbath day? Does that suit your law? Is it all right if I save somebody to do well? This is something that was need, needed. There was healing that was needed. And someone, a certain someone, needed that healing. That's why the Lord came there. To come for that one, the one sheep. What did this injury mean? Physically, we know that, right? It was his right hand. He could not work. What does the scripture tell us? Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might. If you can find something to do to serve God, do it with all your might. And he says, hurry up and do it now because you're going to die and we won't be working. We'll just be worshiping all day. This is your only opportunity. Get after it. Get after it. Not halfway, buddy. Get it, give it all you got. It's the only chance you have. He could not work. He could not provide for himself. That's what it means. He couldn't provide for others. He could not clean. He couldn't wash himself. He couldn't brush his teeth. You ever try brushing your teeth with the offhand? It's hard, ain't it? That's just physical. He couldn't comb his hair. He couldn't be presentable. He couldn't provide for himself. Couldn't clean himself. He could not give or help. He couldn't give because his hand was withered. You know what, what the term is for somebody that, won't, that, that likes money? We can go through a long line of synonyms, can't we? They're tight. They got a fist full of dollars, and they hold it in close. That's mine. Mine. Do you know babies come from the womb with what? Flinched hands. And then parents, we pry a little hand open, and we put our finger in it, and we say, look, they love us so much. It's their instinct. That's the way they're designed from birth, isn't it? He could not protect himself, and he could not protect others. He was just clenching self. Get that? Clinching self. He could not save himself. He couldn't do anything until Christ came and commanded it. And that's physical or spiritual. 
I can't brush my teeth unless the Lord's pleased to let me brush my teeth and give me the power to do so. Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. And to have clean hands, not a withered hand. We can't ascend, can we? Christ can. This man could not. He could not. But he was willing. There's a difference between could not and would not. That man would. He would. Why? He was at the synagogue. Like an Ethiopian eunuch. He was going up to Jerusalem. He said, that's where they said the Lord was, and I want to meet him. And he was sad, heading all the way back down to Ethiopia. Well, we didn't, I didn't hear no good news up there. Here come Philip running. This man was there at that synagogue. That may have been the first time he was there. He may have been going there for 35 years. And God ain't never spoke to him yet. Why? Because his hand still withered. Hadn't <laughs> done anything for him. It could be the first time, though. He may have been coming daily. I don't know, but he was made willing. He was willing to be there. Wasn't he? Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. He could not, but he would. He would. He wanted to be healed. That's what Simeon went in there daily looking for the Lord. Every day Simeon went and said, I'm looking for the Lord. And then the Lord came. And he said, Lord, you can kill me now. <laughs> I've seen thy salvation. I've held him in my hand. On another Sabbath, the Lord healed that impotent man that was unable, an unable man, didn't he? And he said he had an infirmity 38 years. That's wonderful, isn't it? This man's not listed, the withered hand. It don't matter how young you are. It don't matter how old you are. Come to him. Come to him. And when Jesus saw him lie, he said it had been a long time that way, and he said to him, Wilt thou be made whole? Will you? Will you be made whole? You can't be. You can't. The possibility of doing it, you could not, but would you? Would you be made whole? We looked at that a while back too, didn't we? That fellow there by the pool. People's going to stop giving you handouts. They're not going to bring your food to you no more. They're going to stop taking pity on you. They're going to start providing your clothing for you and your food for you and entertaining you. You're going to have to get up off that sick bay and get after it. Would you have your hand? Because I read somewhere they said this man, they think he was a bricklayer. Where in the world did they get that from? I mean, I know the historical way of research, but that's a lot of reason. <laughs> I can go with a withered hand. You have to get back to bricklaying. Will you? Hmm. Who was doing this? It was the Lord and the man with a withered hand. What was he doing? He was healing him. In an area he could not do anything, but he desired. When was he doing it? You know when it was that day? Today. Every day is the Lord's day. Do you know when it is right now to come to the Lord and be saved? Right now. Today. What did you do last week? It don't matter. I ain't alive last week. I'm alive right now. <laughs> what about tomorrow? We ain't promised tomorrow. The Lord may come tonight. He may be riding on them clouds. I don't know. Come to him now. Today. That's when. Today. Why? We'll get to that later on. But where did this take place? It's going to be in public, not in a closet. I, I, turn with him over to Mark 3. i got to show you this. Mark chapter 3. 
That old say, there's so much wisdom in that. Uh, if the Lord saves a man, even his dog's going to be able to tell. <laughs> it's so. <laughs> there's going to be a difference. He's going to do something. It's going to be public, and public's going to know about it. Y'all know who they are, the infamous they, everybody's scared to death of? Well, they are going to take notice, and they ain't going to like it too much. <laughs> so your old friends ain't going to get along with you no more. Mark 3, verse 1. And he entered again into the synagogue, and there was a man there with a, had a withered hand. And they watched him, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day, that they might accuse him. And he saith unto the man which hath the winter hand, Stand forth. Stand forth. Get up and stand up here in the middle of everybody. Over in Luke, we read that. He said, Rise up and stand forth in the midst. And he rose up and stood forth. God commanded and he did it. Why'd he do that? Why'd it have to be in, in right in the middle of everybody? The Lord said this, and it's as plain as he could write it, <laughs> plain as I can read it to you. Don't turn there, but Matthew 10 says, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. He said over Mark 16, he said, Go ye in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, and he that believeth, now you can do that right there, right where you sit right now, you can believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You can come to him right now. And is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not is damned. I didn't know this until about two weeks ago. It's been commonly taught for 60 years on the radios throughout this nation that you don't have to have water baptism. Now, the person that taught that directly benefited them, but that's a lie. God said, you be baptized, get in that baptism, stand forth out here in front of everybody, and you declare me in front of men. He gave us that ordinance. You get in the water and be baptized. Do you have to be baptized to be saved? No. What's a proof text? Do you all know? Name me a, a, a child of God that, that could not be baptized. The thief on the cross. Right? Man, I got the most assurance. You'll be with me today in paradise, the Lord told him. Like here in a few minutes. You're going to love it. People use that to say, that's why I don't need to get in waters of baptism. Uh, didn't he profess Christ in public? <laughs> you want to get strung up on a cross? Uh, no, get in water. <laughs> He's been gracious to us. That blows my mind. I just can't wrap my head around it. They said, well, he wasn't baptized. No, he was nailed to a cross next to our Lord and proclaimed him publicly to death, all the way to death, and then was with him right then in glory. What a privilege, a privilege that was. Even young people know about that thief on the cross, don't they? You still Mark 3, look at verse 4. And he saith unto them, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days or to do evil? Is it lawful to save a life? Shall I save somebody's life or shall I kill them? You pick. But they held their peace. They knew either way they answered that's wrong. They knew that's wrong. You're all grown ups, a bunch of you are. You know when you're wrong. And you get in a conversation, you won't just bow and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was wrong. We we just we'll, do, we'll fight tooth and toe now. We'll wither ourselves up to not say that. But we know we're wrong. They knew it. Verse 5. They were too self-righteous to say, I'm sorry. 
They were too self-righteous to give an apology when they'd done wrong over something they knew they'd done wrong. They knew it, and they wouldn't do it. How do you think the Lord handles that? I want you to look at this, verse 5. And when he had looked around about them, around about on them with anger. I, I, he, that's a just, holy, righteous, perfect anger. I can't understand that. If I look at somebody in anger, it's wrong. Uh, even the apostles, those sons of thunder said, we'll call down lightning on them. He said, you don't know what spirit's in you. This is a perfect spirit. And he looked on those. It's always those that's self-righteous, always those religious folks, always those that's, that's I know, I know, and I'm never wrong, and everybody else is, and I'm going to find something on you so I can put you down. Lord's angry with the wicked. And they, I don't see a, a needy person that needed mercy, that needed healing, that needed hell, that ever come to him, that he didn't say, come here. Come on. He delights. That means he, he enjoys thoroughly and thinks about showing mercy. He delights to show mercy. But he looked on these with anger. Don't you want to warn them? Knowing him, you see that look, knowing what they just said, wouldn't you want to go over and say, hey, boys, uh, Oh, you don't know what you're doing. I got goosebumps all over me wanting to tell them. When he looked around about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he saith unto them, unto the man, stretch forth thy hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. I can't qualify that look, but I can tell you what's the opposite of that look he gave Peter. Remember when Peter denied him three times? That was wicked, wasn't it? But he looked on a son. He said, it's all right, buddy. Because of that, that's the reason I'm dying. I'm going to go to the cross for you. These he looked on with anger. They had hard hearts. We have a, a new heart that he's given us. Back in our text. <clears throat> who's doing this? Who's, who's the characters? The Lord and, and the withered man, isn't it? What's he doing? He's healing him. When's he doing it? Today, the synagogue, right now. Why? There's a need. How? How is this man going to be healed? By the commandment, by the word of God. Yes. But how is he going to be given eternal life? In all these instances, the Lord said, stretch forth your hand. He stretched it forth. That's all he has to do. But this isn't just somebody getting their hand fixed. He died. That hand ended up going in the grave and turning into dust, didn't it? That physical hand. How is he going to get eternal life? Verse 9. And when he was, thence, was departed thence, they went into their synagogue, and behold, there was a man which had his hand withered. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath days? That they might accuse him. Regardless of all that, he said unto them, What man shall there be among you that shall have one sheep, and if it fall into a pit on the Sabbath day, will not lay a hold of it and lift it out? You know what their problem was? They didn't know they was in a pit. They was just fine. We're in that deep, miry pit. And he has to come down, condescend. How deep? All the way to get underneath us and lift us up out of that pit. How's this, this man with the withered hand going to be saved eternally? How's he going to have eternal life? Christ was there on earth dealing with a bunch of mire all around him. And it was throwing at him and gnashing its teeth at him. And they said, I come to save that one. And there's matter and wet hens about it like their father the devil. He came down to this miry pit to pull us out, didn't he? And he says, How much then is a man better than a sheep? Wherefore is it lawful to do well on the Sabbath day? 
He can do with his own as he sees fit, is what he's declaring. <laughs> he's able to do with his own as he sees fit. And that man with the withered hand, that's his sheep. That one everybody despises and they think the least of. He goes, that one's the one I came in here for. And this is the shepherd right in front of them laying down his life for his sheep. He left the 90 and 9 that needed none. They needed no justification. They got all their doctrine sorted clean out. And he went to that one and he threw it over his shoulder. What if it's kicking and screaming? He'd break its leg if necessary. He would wither its leg if necessary. He brings it home. Verse 13. Then saith he to the man, Stretch forth thine hand, and he stretched it forth, and it was restored. Whole. Restoration. He went and prepared a place for him. And he's going to show him by fixing his hand. He's restored. Whole. Like as the other. Like all the other hands. Every hand he has is restored whole. <laughs> you get that? This man with the withered hand had. He had nothing that he brought with him. He didn't have nothing in that hand. He didn't say anything. We don't know his name. There was nothing he did. The Lord came to him. only thing this man possessed was infirmity. He had no confidence in the flesh, did he? We're the circumcision, which worship God in the spirit, because he gave us his spirit, and rejoice in Christ Jesus because we know who he is. And have no confidence in the flesh. He that glories, let him glory in the Lord. He said, stretch forth thy hand. And he stretched it forth. And it was restored whole like as the other. And the whole place erupted in praise and celebration and clapping. Oh, look what the Lord did. The great shepherd, he left the 99 and he came and got the one. Let's rejoice at him. Praise him. Oh, we got to watch him work. Oh, tell you, every time he healed a blind person, he took him off by themselves. We got to watch him. No, it wasn't it, was it? In the withered man, the man with the withered hand, in his heart, you betcha. He didn't care what anybody said. <laughs> he, they could say anything they want to that man. We'll kill you. You do me a favor. <laughs> in his heart, he rejoiced. In all the Lord's sheep that, that were there that day and saw his disciples, they rejoiced, celebrating, in us that read it now. If he melts your heart, that's going to that's be wax all over the place. We'll get Stanley Steamer in here to clean these carpets, huh? But for the unregenerate, envy. Verse 14, just like their father, the devil. Then the Pharisees went out and held a council against him how they might destroy him. Oh, boy. My prayer for us, my prayer for us, I don't say it's for your, for you. I forget, my pastor reminded me recently, he said, you need to just go listen for you. <laughs> Quit trying to find a message for everybody and go seek the Lord's face. I pray he'd command us, his word would go forth and command us to stretch forth our hand, to reach out and touch the Lord as he passes by. You'll find he's, he's not too busy to hear your heart's cry. He's passing by this moment, your need to supply. Now reach out and touch him. He's moving. He may not be here long. This might be the last time he walks past. Reach out and touch him. Confess him out in front of everybody. I pray his word come to command us to believe him. Because I can't. Unless he makes me believe, I can't believe. 
have everlasting life if we believe on him. His command to come to him, to seek him. That's what David said, seek. When you said, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. Command me to seek you with everything in me. And command, fear not. I don't know if the Lord's healed my hands. <laughs> it's like in Valley of Dry Bones. Oh, we're going to die. Well, no, you was dead 10 minutes ago. You're finally alive now. I pray command, speak that word, fear not. fear not. Look to me, fear not. Don't say a word, fear not. Bring the infirmity to me, fear not. Fear not. Amen.